0: It's easy to get so busy and distracted in our everyday lives that we forget to turn to God in thankfulness or in joy or in prayer. And I think that's been the case especially this year. This has been a really tough year for many of us, hasn't it? There are so many things we've not been able to do. So many people will not be able to to be around So many difficulties that we've had to cope with. And in the middle of all of this, it's easy to be discouraged, to get worn down, to feel defeated. The young church in Thessalonica were similarly going through a really difficult time. They were suffering from poverty, from persecution, and even from bereavement. And they were experiencing separation from Paul, their friend and their teacher. But as he got near the conclusion of his letter to this church, Paul encouraged them not to lose sight of what they had. Instead he urged them to always look up. So we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just a few verses. Verse 16 down to verse 19 this morning. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's Fire. In these short verses, Paul describes what he just says is what God wants us all to do. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So these are not suggestions or advice. They're not helpful ideas for some of us, some of the time. These are commands that we all should obey if we've trusted in Jesus. And that's important to remember, because we're not always going to feel like doing these things. Our circumstances might make these things really difficult to do. And yet we're still called to do them, because this is God's will for our lives. And I think this helps us to understand what Paul is really teaching us here and what he is not teaching us here. And that's especially the case when it comes to the very first of these three commands. When Paul says, be joyful always. Now I'm sure you've, you've experienced this, that sometimes Christians might give us the impression that we should always be happy. They say that there's something wrong with our faith if we're not going through life with a big smile on our face. And we're not expressing a kind of bubbly personality full of excitement and cheerfulness in every situation. Some people say, if you're not like that, there's something wrong with you as a Christian. But that cannot be what Paul is talking about here when he tells us to be joyful always. After all, our feelings are not at our command. We can't just turn on happiness whenever we want. So if I was here telling you to be happy, well, the only thing you could do Would be to I would be telling you to fake it, to pretend, to suppress how you feel inside, and just put on an act, just smile, even although you're dying inside. And the God of Truth would never ask us to be that dishonest, in just pretending to feel to, to to pretending to feel happy all of the time. And anyway, Jesus, who always followed God's will, wasn't happy all of the time. Do you remember how he wept at Lazarus' tomb? He wept over the city of Jerusalem. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, he says about Jesus that he was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And then Paul, Paul was also really honest about the sadness in his life. For example, he wrote in Romans chapter 9 about the unbelief of the Jewish nation. He says, I have Great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. And so, guys, we mustn't use verse 16 of our passage where it says, Be joyful always. We mustn't use that verse to criticize Christians for not being happy all the time. God does not condemn us when we're sad. Or when we're upset. Or when we're, when we're full of sorrow. In fact, God does the exact opposite. The Lord is close to the broken hearted. And saves all who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34 says. So, our, our God is the Father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. And so when we're distressed, when we're upset, he doesn't want us to hide it and pretend that everything is okay. Instead, he wants us to run to him and experience his comfort and his compassion. So Paul here was not talking about a superficial kind of happiness. That means we'll always be going through life with a big smile on her face. Instead he was talking about something much deeper. A deep, constant joy, even when we are sad. This is what Paul talks about in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 6. He talks, says about himself that he was sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. He was honest about the sadness, the, the sorrow, the, the distress in his life. And yet at the same time, he was rejoicing. And this is what Paul expressed when, when he was in Philippi. Just before he, he visited the, the city of Thessalonica. Do you remember in Philippi, Paul and Silas, they were wrongfully arrested. They were severely flogged. They were thrown in prison with their feet in stocks. But in the middle of all of that, in the middle of the night, in that pain and that suffering, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Even when we have painful trials or difficult problems, Even when we're sad and upset, God wants us to be able to rejoice. Now, how is that possible? How can we rejoice even in times of sorrow? Well, it's because God wants us to rejoice in Christ. This is what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice. In the Lord, always. And again I say, rejoice. We're not called to rejoice because we're happy. Neither are we called to rejoice because our circumstances are great, because everything is wonderful. This joy is not about emotions or circumstances. Rather, this joy is because of Jesus. It's about responding to who Jesus is. And because of what we have in Him. Responding to the truth of the Gospel. That we are loved by God. That we are chosen by God. That we've been saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And that because of this, we are God's people. We are part of His church. And we're here to please God and to point others to Him. And so even if we are experiencing suffering, even if people around us are dying, like this church in Thessalonica we're experiencing, then we can rejoice Because death has been defeated. And one day, Jesus is coming back again. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So please, don't take this call to rejoice always as a condemnation. And don't use it to attack those who are suffering. Instead, see this as an amazing offer, an amazing invitation that says, no matter how hard our lives get, no matter how horrible our circumstances are, no matter how deep the pain is, Jesus is so amazing. His promises are so wonderful. His love is so faithful, his power is so great, his salvation is so secure, his compassions are so unfailing that we always have reasons to rejoice in him. And of course, we can't do this in our own, folks. We can't just stir this up in ourselves. We need help to do this. We need God's help. This joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Thessalonians, they had responded to the gospel with joy given by the Holy Spirit, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us to look up from our circumstances. And to fix our eyes on Jesus. And to trust in everything that He has promised. So maybe that's why Paul wrote in verse 19 of our passage. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. We need to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. To help us to rejoice in the Lord always. But secondly, God doesn't only want us to rejoice always. He also wants us to pray always. Verse 17, pray continually. Prayer is one of the the critical ways, the crucial ways that we communicate with God. It's an amazing privilege that was bought for us through the precious blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We can come right into the intimate presence of God because we've been purified by sin, from our sin, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And we can have the confidence that God will hear our prayers and He'll respond to them according to His perfect will. This is Jesus' promise to us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Speak, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Of course, that's not a blank check promise, saying that we'll always get everything that we want. Jesus went on to teach in that passage how our Heavenly Father gives us good gifts. And those good gifts, they might be different from what we want. But it's an amazing encouragement that we can confidently come into God's presence. And ask him for what we need. And this is what Jesus did regularly. Remember Luke chapter 5 says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often took time out of his busy schedule and the demands of his ministry to spend time alone with his Father. And this is what we need to do as well. Jesus said, when you pray, this is Matthew chapter 6, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. We need to regularly spend time Quality time alone with God in prayer. Each day, we need to put aside the distractions of life and take time with God. Whether that's turn off the TV, turn off the radio, close the door, switch off the phone. We need to take that time alone with God. Without it, our fellowship with God will never be what, it, what God wants us to be. We will miss out if we don't have a habit of time with God in prayer each day. And we need to keep on praying. Even if we don't see the response, the answer immediately that we're looking for. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus told a parable to to teach this. About a, a widow A persistent widow who finally got the justice that she desperately needed just because she kept on asking. And Jesus said that he taught that parable to teach us that we should always pray and not give up. This isn't about nagging God until he gives us what we want. Because remember, remember, Prayer is always about asking for God's will, not for ours. But when we persevere in prayer, that's when our faith develops and deepens and is is expressed. And that's when God does His work in our lives. But folks, I think Paul is saying more than that here. He didn't just call these these Christians to pray regularly and to, to persevere in those prayers. He wanted them actually, verse 17, to pray continually. Now, of course, that cannot mean that God wants us to go and separate ourselves from everything else in the world and just spend time in prayer alone with God all the time we've got other things we need to do as well. So that can be what he's talking about. And neither does it mean that we should just kind of go through life constantly kind of repeating, muttering under our breath prayers all the time. Jesus taught us, do not keep on babbling like pagans who think, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Because your Father knows what you need before you ask. So God doesn't want us to go through just repeating endlessly prayers. But I think what Paul means here is that God wants us to live every day with that constant awareness that He is present. That He is with us. And that we're just sharing that day with Him. Now that will include times when we're speaking to Him. When we're asking Him for help. When we're asking Him for guidance or or strength or praying for others. But at other times, it will include just living in His presence. Trusting in His care. Resting in His promises. Seeking to please Him. Knowing that He is near. It's about living in that attitude of knowing that God is with us all the time. And that conscious desire to spend that day with God. It's it's a bit like, do you know when you spend a day with somebody that you really love? you're really comfortable with. You might chat to them some of that day. You might gaze into their eyes and tell them how much you love them, if you can remember that far back when you last did that. But sometimes you're just with that person. You're just enjoying their presence. And you might not be saying anything, but you're just enjoying being with them. I think that's something like what God wants for our lives. Just spending the day, each day, with Him. Now again, none of us do that perfectly. We all get distracted. We all lose our focus on God's presence with us. But this is God's invitation to us. God is ready any day to spend that day with us. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that cannot be, that, can, that cannot be expressed, that words cannot express. The Holy Spirit wants to help us when we struggle in prayer. And so we praise on our behalf. God is praying for us. Let's spend that time with him. And then finally, as we do this, we're called to give thanks in all circumstances. Now, in many ways, this should be so natural for us, shouldn't it be? Because we have been blessed by God in so many ways in our lives. Thankfulness, gratitude should just overflow from our hearts. But the problem is our sinful nature gets in the way again. One of the characteristics of that sinful nature that Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 1 is that although they knew God, they neither glorified God, Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him. Ingratitude, a lack of thankfulness, is part of that rebelliousness that's in all of us. That questions God's love. That ridicules God's goodness. That rejects God's sovereignty over our lives. It's that attitude that that says that we, we get what we deserve. That we've earned it. That it's ours. That we've provided it for ourselves rather than seeing all of those things as gifts from God. But as Christians, we know that what we have is a gift of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2 it is by grace you have been saved, through faith and this not from yourselves it's the gift of god not by works so that no one can boast so the only proper response to receiving god's amazing grace is just an overflow of gratitude and paul called us to express that in all circumstances not just in the good times when we get what we want but in those difficult times in those dark days when things are tough and the way is hard. And we can do this because we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. In all things. So God is good all of the time. And so all of the time, God is working for our good. And so all of the time, the appropriate response is to give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. But folks, again, this is not a heavy responsibility. This isn't a burden. We shouldn't say that and say, oh, I suppose I need to do this. This is an invitation into the freedom and the joy of Of gratitude. Because gratitude is good for us. When we choose thankfulness, it impacts and protects our hearts. It reminds us of how blessed we are because it's so easy to forget. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Psalm 103 says. Gratitude changes our perspective and focuses on what we do have rather than on what we do not have. It fights against jealousy and envy and greed. It enables us to lift up our eyes from our struggles and suffering and look to Jesus and be reminded of all that He is and His amazing love for us. And gratitude allows us and helps us to be more effective in our witness in this world. As we celebrate all that God has done for us. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. And this is again what the work of the Holy, what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Do you remember the day of Pentecost? When the Holy Spirit came in the church, and the the, the, the followers of Jesus all spoke in other languages. And so all of the people heard them speaking and they said, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. The Holy Spirit came and filled them and just the response was that these people just burst out in gratitude and thankfulness to God. The Holy Spirit fills our hearts and our mouths with thankfulness. So do not put out the Spirit's fire. Let Him stir up your heart with awe and praise for all that God has done and let us be people who are always giving thanks folks it's so easy for us to lose sight of what God has done in our lives so easy for us to forget to get distracted to get discouraged I don't know anybody who can't fall into that I think many of us struggle with that on a daily basis. But this is what God wants us to do here. And this is what the Holy Spirit is working towards. For us to be people who are always rejoicing because the Lord is so amazing. People who are always praying to the Lord Because he wants to spend time with us and people who are always giving thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever.